0: Hi I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries Welcome to the least of these podcasts We reach out to those the world has forgotten If you'd like to know more about us And how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission Go to HisLoveMinistries.net Thank you very much and God bless you I'm so glad I've learned to Trust Him Just Jesus, A Savior Friend And I know That He Will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How. to trust him more each and every day that's what it's all about is, is the old song says trust and obey for there's no other way and I always like to say to be joyful instead of happy in Jesus because joy comes from the Lord right well we're still in the book of Romans and apparently gonna be here for a long time we've been stuck in chapter 8 which is really I think the greatest chapter of the whole Bible much less the new testament and remember the whole book of romans is really about the fact he says in romans 1 16 and 17 he talks about that he's paul says he's not a shame to the gospel of christ for it's the power of god for everyone who believes to the jew first and also the greek and then he says because in it the righteousness of god from faith is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith. So what does he say here? Said that salvation is a total free gift from Jesus Christ and that the only way you can be righteous is through him, right? And so he says the just shall live by faith. It's just sheer faith. So we've talked about the first three chapters, talked about the fact that everyone before God is guilty That's the bad news, the good news, as he begins to tell us in chapter 4, David, even though David was a great and mighty man, a man after God's heart, he was a sinful man and he committed a lot of sins and he was saved by grace, by trusting in Jesus to come. And and then he lifts up Abraham as the greatest example who the Jews always look to as their man of faith. And said that Abraham was also saved by faith, because the Jews would have said that Abraham was so righteous that he he didn't need the faith. But the Bible says that the law was given 430 years later after Abraham came. So when we get to chapter five, he begins to tell us that we're secure in Christ. Those that know Christ have been legally declared righteous. And he gives us 11 reasons why. And then he tells us that Adam lost all the things, the good stuff that we had uh, when he sinned in the garden, but Christ has given us so much more. Chapter six, he tells us to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God and to live out what God has put in us. And then chapter seven, he tells us we can't. On our own, Paul says the things I wanna do, I can't do. And if the great apostle Paul couldn't do them on his own, that that just goes to say that we can't either right but he says i thank god through jesus christ he says i've I've got a holy spirit and he begins to tell us in chapter eight and he says there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus those who have trusted christ there's therefore no condemnation and he says those that live for him and walk in the spirit are his those that are led by the spirit are his he says that we have the spirit because we know christ we have the spirit and he says you will put the deeds to death put to death the deeds the evil deeds and then he goes on to tell us about how we've been adopted as children and we belong to god remember this whole chapter is really about the eternal security of the believer what does that mean it means that if we've trusted christ He tells us later on in chapter 8 that if God be for us, who could be against us? And he says there's nothing can separate us from the love of God, which in Christ Jesus. Not anything. And so this is really the greatest chapter on the eternal security of the believer. And he gives us all these reasons. And we've talked about some of them. And we can go back and look at a few of them because in the last section we talked about how Suffering also proves that we're his children. And then he kind of leads us into talking about uh, prayer here and then we get to the chapter eight, verse 26 is kind of where we want to be today. He says, we're gonna look a little bit at 26 and 27 and we'll kind of finish up today. He says, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of Christ is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So there's kind of a progression here we saw in the last section that the creation groans because it's ready to be redeemed. Basically the creation groans because it knows that one day It will be redeemed, right? Because it it groans in hope that even the creation is not everything it was supposed to be. Originally it was, but when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? The creation fell too, right? And then he talks about that we groan and because of the suffering and the things that we go through. And then as he gets to verse 26 and 27, he talks about that the spirit groans. And there's kind of a progression here that everybody's groaning and then I think about Jesus. There was a couple of times, I think in like chapter 11, remember when, when Lazarus died and it said he kind of groaned within himself, you know? And there's kind of a groaning because he knows the effect of sin and he sees what it does to us. And it not only hurts us, but it hurts him too. But we want to talk about those groans a little bit more because some people kind of get a little carried away with those groans and think that there's something else that they're not. When he looks here in verse 26, he says, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. And really what he's talking about here is kind of continuing the theme of the reason we have hope as believers. And he started out in chapter 8, and he talks about some of that. He keeps talking about the spirit of Christ. in verse 2 has made me free from the law of sin and death. That was kind of the first thing. And every time he talks about the spirit. And he says in verse 4 that we do not walk according to the flesh. But according to the spirit. And that's another reason for hope. We live according to the spirit. And then he says in verse 9. That the spirit of God dwells in us if we know christ right and that the spirit is life that he brings life because he is righteous and then he tells us also that the spirit also is going to give life to our mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in us one day that the spirit is going to raise us up from the dead right and then he also talks about living according to the spirit and putting the deeds the deeds of the body to death we're going to live that's another reason to hope because We know that we're led by the Spirit of God. That's what he said. These are the Spirit of God. And then he goes on to say that we didn't receive a spirit of bondage, but we've got the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. We can cry out in our prayer and say, Oh, God, Father, Daddy, Father. And we know that's a term reserved just for our parents. And and it's an intimate term. And then he talks about that the Spirit bears witness with us that we're children of God. And he says, if indeed we suffer with him, right? And he goes on to talk about that suffering. And I think what he does is he kind of Paul's one of these guys that kind of goes off on these tangents, not that they're not important, but he kind of takes these little detours in the middle of what he's saying. And he goes off and talks about something for a little bit. And he went off and he told how the suffering was difficult how everything went on around us that everybody's groaning and everybody's waiting for the redemption of the body and how the spirit is still continuing to be there with us but it's another reason for hope because he talks about this hope that one day that we're going to be redeemed too our body's going to be redeemed and then he says likewise in other words just as the spirit has also helped us in all these other ways to keep our salvation to be who we are in christ and to pray that likewise the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses and when he talks about these weaknesses what is he talking about he's talking about just a general infirmity of life that that we're weak in ourselves right that we're always weak that you know a lot of people think they're strong but And the reality is, is when we really look at life and realize who we are, that we're pretty weak. And at times, even when we're young, we think we're strong, but but we're weak because we can't do the things we want to do. And we always do the things we shouldn't do. And so there's always these weaknesses and all these things are going on in our lives. And so he says here that the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession with with groanings, which cannot be uttered. So we want to talk about one of the biggest, we'll talk about two of the biggest problems that we have as as believers or people in general is number one, uh, people, I guess, most people that are not believers don't pray i thank the god unless they get in trouble (laughs) and then they're like god help me get out of this or something like that but then we'll talk a little bit later about the will of god and we'll talk on those briefly but this one is mainly a section about prayer the problem is is we all if we are believers we have a problem with prayer and why do we have a problem with prayer he says because we do not know what we should pray for as we ought and so many times i know a lot of times we end our prayers if it be your will (laughs) you know lord lord if this be your will we want to pray this lord we don't know what to pray for but lord if if you would do this this is what we would like but if not lord you do what you like even jesus said as he was praying he says not my will, you know, but, but thine be done. As we look at some of those things, we see that we don't always know what to pray for, what we should ask God. And in our human weaknesses and limitations, we don't know what to pray for. And so even the greatest saints have had this difficulty. There's a couple illustrations. Remember Job in the Old Testament, and he was going through all this stuff, and god uh, satan came before god and god said to satan have you considered my servant job there's no one like him on earth he's blameless and upright a man who fears god and shuns evil and so he was a great and mighty old testament man but yet what did he say in job seven he says why have you made my made me your target have i become a burden to you why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? He didn't know what to pray for. He didn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand the great scheme of things. Elijah was another one, right? And he was a great, mighty man, courageous. And he stood against all those prophets on uh, Baal on Mount Carmel. And they killed all those people. And then right after that, he gets scared of one woman, Jezebel, right? And he runs for his life. And he, he he asked to die saying, I've had enough, Lord, take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. And but he was confused and he was he just didn't know what to do and he asked I think a foolish and, and crazy prayer. And maybe we've maybe we've asked prayers like that one time. I heard about how Billy Graham's wife said that she prayed one time, she thought this man was the guy that she wanted for her husband. She kept praying, and she said, "Lord, give me this man for a husband." And and God didn't do it. Instead, He gave her Billy Graham instead. So she says, "I was thankful that God didn't answer that prayer. That He gave me Billy instead." You know, you think about Paul. What did Paul say over uh, Philippians chapter one? He talks about, you know, I, I'm hard pressed between the two, whether to go to God or whether to stay with you. He basically says, I don't know what I should do, whether I should stay here with you and, and minister to you or whether I should go and be with Christ. He says to live as Christ, to die as gain. But then he goes on and says, well, but you know, it's better for you that I stay here in the flesh after thinking about it a minute. So even Paul, I'm sure had problems with prayer. And that's one of the things that we have difficulties. What do we pray for? How do we pray? we pray thy will be done, Lord, if it be your will, or all those different things. So he goes on to say that we don't know how to pray, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us. And he helps us in our weaknesses. And so one of the, there's a Greek word that speaks for this word intercession and how the spirit's role is in prayer. And it's a long word, I can't even pronounce it, but it's made up of several different pieces. And it means it prays along with, in place of, it, pray, it, it, it removes, it bears. But literally what it means to is that uh, the whole word means to come alongside another and take part of a heavy load and help that person bear it. So that's what the Spirit does. He comes alongside us. Sort of like the word paraclete, right? In the Old Testament, in chapter 14, not the Old Testament, chapter 14 of John and 16, where he said, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete will come alongside you and be with you and and be with you and in you, right? That's what he's saying here is the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. He comes with us and he helps us in our weaknesses and he helps us to pray. When he uses this word also for intercession, that he also says that the spirit intercedes with groanings which words cannot express. An intercessor is somebody that does what? Pleads your case, right? (laughs) Uh, That's kind of what a lawyer is, right? It's a mediator that they come and they plead your case. And in a sense, The Holy Spirit is sort of like that. And we know the Bible tells us that Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. But here it says that the Spirit also intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And there's been a lot of confusion on this section where people say, where the groanings which cannot be uttered. And basically what they're trying to say is that, that this is the gift of tongues. And really, if you'll notice what it says, that he makes groanings which cannot be uttered. And it does not say that we groan or we do anything, but it says the Spirit himself makes intercession. Notice it says the Spirit himself too, because the Spirit is what? God, right? He's part of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead, but he makes intercession with with groanings which cannot be uttered and and i think that it means that he is interceding and groaning and you know you think about god that it says that god that he knows all of our problems he knows all of our troubles and he speaks to god himself and i don't understand how god the father god the son and god the holy spirit how they all speak to each other and how they're three in one gods i don't know I got a body, soul, and a spirit. I don't know. I speak to myself sometimes. I think about things and got several different thoughts going on in my brain sometimes at the several, at the same time. And sometimes even while I'm teaching and preaching, it's amazing the things that go through my mind. You know, you never, it, as life goes on, it's, it's, it's amazing the things that goes on in your minds, the things you think and the thoughts that God puts in your mind as you're thinking and so as a body soul and a spirit if i can do that i know that definitely god can speak to himself and so each part of the spirit is the the trinity is speaking and they're speaking to each other and they're doing what ought to be done for us so he says that these groanings cannot be uttered and as i read two or three greek scholars they said these words this is not some you know when it says which cannot be uttered it means that there is no sound here there's nothing going on because some people say well they're speaking in tongues and they're doing the groaning or the spirit's groaning through them and they start doing all these weird things and all but that's not what's happening here it says they cannot be uttered well how clear is that (laughs) but people will take the scriptures and they will pervert them and they don't read the context and because somebody taught them that they believe that think about that that even peter one time he prayed he you know he was basically said he wouldn't fail and all this stuff and even jesus what did jesus do at that time he said i prayed for you peter because satan has desired to sift you as wheat and i prayed for you that your faith may not fail when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. In other words, Peter didn't know what to pray in that night that they were supposed to be praying. Remember, he told him, he said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Every time Jesus came back, they were asleep, right? And he says, Peter, could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Because he'd already told Peter he was going to fall, right? And he'd already told Peter he was going to pray for him. Peter fell because he didn't pray. And, and I guess that was part of God's purposes too, that he allowed him to slip and fall for a little while, that he might be stronger when he got back up, right? Because he says and when you turn back, strengthen your brothers, right? We do have to pray. And we do have to ask God for things. The Bible says you have not because you ask not, that you ask wrongly. Sometimes we just get selfish with our prayers, but prayers like everything else in the Christian life, it's one of those things that we have to try to learn as we get better, right? It's sort of like playing a piano or playing some kind of instrument. When you play an instrument, you don't automatically do it well at the beginning, right? You're pretty sorry. And as you grow and you begin to pray and you do all of these things, what do you do? You finally... Get to the place where you can do a fairly good job at it. And if we listen to God's spirit and, and pray according to his will, you know the simplest thing to do is pray the word of God, right? You know when you pray in the word of God that that's God's will. But notice what he says here. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know one of the things just go back talk a little bit about prayer number one we're supposed to pray right jesus said we were supposed to pray and he said when you pray say our father which art in heaven right he wasn't saying just wrote say this prayer over and over again but that was kind of a model of how to pray right our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name and you can use that as a model and begin to praise him and thank him hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come oh lord jesus come we're ready for you to come that's what john said after 22 chapters he's coming and he says even so come quickly lord jesus right thy kingdom come thy will be done Then you can begin to pray some of the things in the bible that is truly his will right because we know when we pray to scripture those are his will Thy will be done Kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And lead us not into temptation. Lord, don't let us get in a spot where we're tempted today, right? But if we are getting a spot, deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And you end up with praise again. So we're here to pray. And as we say, do not expect prayer to be easy. I remember Erwin Lutzer talking about that one time. He says, every time you begin to pray, what happens the devil's gonna remind you everything you forgot to do. He says, so what I began to do is I began to put a notebook down next to the bed and I'd write down what what I was supposed to do. That way I wouldn't have to worry about remembering later on, right? Uh, I heard another guy talking about He says he went to pray and he says to, that his mind didn't want to, but his body wanted, his mind wanted to, but his body didn't want to. And after a while he kept fighting it and finally, the, Both of them got on the same page and said, okay, well, if we're gonna do it anyway, we might as well just be here, both of us. Realize what we're doing when we pray, we're addressing ourselves to the sovereign God of the universe and presenting our adoration, confessions, thanksgiving, and requests to him. He's hearing these prayers and responding to them consistently, perfectly, and wisely out of his own inexhaustible abundance. Here's a question. Does God, does prayer get God to change his mind? No, but we wouldn't want that. But the answer is, does prayer change things? Absolutely. You know, James says, the affected, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? Asking it will be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be opened to you for everyone who receives, who asks, receives, he who... seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open and like i said james says you do not have because you do not ask we can be encouraged by these verses because you know what even though we don't know what to pray for what does the holy spirit do he comes alongside of us and he helps us and he prays with us and he prays for us and then he says that the he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes the intercession for the saints according to the will of god in other words god does pray for us and he knows what's best for us i remember the old show father knows best right and i always use that term that that you know god knows best and he always does the right thing and the best thing and that's one of the things i pray i remember what was one of those old Puritan prayers that says, what we have not give us, what we are not make us, and what we know not please teach us. And then I always added to that, Lord, if there's something that I'm not asking for and you want me to have, and I don't want to miss out on your best for our life. And you know, that's kind of one of the things that we always worry we're gonna miss out. I heard one of the guys pray uh, preaching one time and he says, one day there might be a big drawer up there in heaven, a big file drawer and God's gonna pull it out and says, Here's all the things you could have had, but you didn't ask for. Because he says, you have not because you asked not. I wanted to give you all these things, and I wanted to do great and mighty things. What did Jesus say you could do? You know, you could um, cast a mountain in the sea if you would just have faith. He's not saying literally, but he's saying that God can, lit, you know, he can, in faith, move mountains. He can do incredible, mighty things if we pray and we trust him that's one of the things that we need to realize so he says he knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints so he's praying according to the will of god and we'll talk a little bit more about this next time but you know that's one of the other things that we kind of worry about about can i know the will of god for my life and what is the will of god for my life and you know can i ask god to show it to me and what's my responsibility for discovering it but notice what he says that the spirit prays according to god's will and when you get to the next verse and we won't we won't cover that today but he says and we know all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are the called according to his purpose so what is the spirit doing He's praying things according to the will of God and all things are working together for good. In other words, what the spirit is doing is he's working out the best good for us. And I don't know how all that works with human responsibility and God being sovereign. You know, there's two sides to the equation. God is sovereign, but man is responsible. And we don't know exactly how all that works, but Jesus does tell us to do things, right? He tells us to pray. He tells us to be holy. He tells us to do all these things. But he also says that God wills works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. That he's working all things together for good. The good stuff, the bad stuff, all the difficult things. We don't know how all that works. But what do we do? We just trust God and we pray and we seek the will of God. And we do what the scripture tells us to do. And that's all we can do, right? Is to follow him and trust him and obey him. We do need the Spirit's help. I think that there is a perfect will of God for each and every one of our lives and I think we can find it. I don't think God always shows us everything. There's a lot of times we don't know why things are happening, why things are going on. Sometimes years down the road, we look back and we can kind of see why God did what he did. And I can look back in my life and see why God did what he did. And you know, I guess the thing that was the most difficult yet when it finally, I trusted God and did what he told me to do was kinda when I began to preach, right? That for years I didn't know what I was called to do. I felt like I was called to preach, but I kept getting all this bad advice from all these preachers and all these people. And if I would've listened to them, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today because I got a lot of advice. I got slammed quite a few times and all these things, but, I guess one man told me I was sort of like a bulldog, you know, I get hold of something and I don't let go of something. But after about five years of struggling between the difficulties, I think I've told some of y'all about that when my mother passed away in the hospital, that between all that, even though that wasn't good and the doctor caused her to die, basically that was one of the impetuses that caused me to say, Lord, I don't want to miss out on your best for my life and whatever you have for me, I don't want to miss out on it. And I want to do what you want me to do, no matter how bad it scares me. You know, no matter how bad it is for me that I feel like, I'm like Moses, I can't speak. I, I don't know how to talk. I'm scared to death to get up in front of people and do stuff like that. But God, he did what was best and I love what I do now. And I still, sometimes I get in a big crowd or whatever, I'll get nervous, but most of the time, okay put me in a big church or a church where I know a lot of people and I get nervous, but it's like I told y'all before, the first time I went to the prison, I I was scared not because I was going to the prison. I didn't know how many people were going to be there and I think there was a big 13 people. It was a little old small prison up in Effingham. And when I got there and I preached, it felt like it took me hours to get there. And on the way I got there, on the way there, I flipped the station over and the guy says, You know, it's not your ability God wants, but your availability. And I said, that's just what I needed to hear. And I still stared to death. But when I got there and I began to preach, and when I got through, I think I flew home. You know, I didn't even know I was in the car. It felt like it took me two seconds to get home because I knew that's what God had called me to do. I think God does lead. I think God does guide. And I think he does want to work in our life, but we have to trust him. And we have to believe in Him and we have to follow Him. Like I said, I think there is a perfect will of God for every believer that God can show us what He wants us to do if we just trust Him and follow Him. So like I said, there's many things that God wants us to do. If you read your Bible, you can find out that, that there's some real simple things he says it's God's will that we be holy, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, John 15, 12, that we love each other. We should pray, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Paul said rejoice and rejoice again always, right? He said don't be worried about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. That was literally a commandment. And there's a lot of things. Did you know that the gospel is a command to believe Jesus Christ's command. You read in Romans chapter 16, all the way to the end of the book. I didn't notice this until recently, but I'd read that in the book of John as we were studying through it. He says, Now to him who was able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting god for obedience to the faith to god alone wise be glory through jesus christ forever amen there's a commandment he says he commands men all everywhere to believe right but we can know god's will we can do that but uh we have to trust in him and believe in him and we have to Let God work out his will in our life because the Holy Spirit is praying and interceding for us. And we know that there's not a verse in here for every single thing that God wants us to do. But that's where reading the Bible, studying, praying, and the Holy Spirit praying for us works out all things together for his good and our good also. And that's really the main Thrust that he works all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purposes so when we look at this section of scripture we see that he makes intercession according to the will of God so we'll talk about the rest of this next week we could spend a a week on discovering the will of God if y'all wanted to that would be up to y'all think about that but uh, I'll think about it and pray about it but what we do wanna know is that when we pray, that just like everything else, we got a God who comes alongside us and helps us pray. And prays for us the things that we don't know what to pray and does a better job than we could ever do, right? Listen, if it was up to us to be saved and keep our salvation and to, to live this life on our own, we would all just fall in about two seconds, right? Or one second and we'd be lost forever but you know what the same God that says you cannot be saved on your own but you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved that I did it all when I was on the cross I paid for your sins I died and was buried and rose again the third day that you might have eternal life that same God that gives it salvation as a free gift if we'll just call on him and ask for him to give it to us He is the same one that keeps us. God made provision to give us eternal life because we ask for it and we believe in him and realize we can't do it on our own. And then he also keeps us because we realize that on our own, we can't do it. You know, it's a wonderful thing. He does say as believers that we are to continue to live for him. And I believe we will if we're truly his children. And so that's the the conundrum between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. That we are saved if we trust in him, but if we trust in him, he will also keep us. But if we're truly saved, we will live the life he wants us to live. We don't do it perfectly, that's for sure. We make a lot of mistakes and we do a lot of wrong things but God loves us anyway. That's why he died for us, because on our own, we couldn't get to heaven. The Bible says you are saved by grace. What is grace? Getting what you don't deserve, right? Through faith, what is faith? Believe in God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, he rose again the third day. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If we could get to heaven by doing something on our own, We'd all be up in heaven and say, Well, I got here because of this, and I got here because of that. And where would God get the glory? He wasn't. But the Bible says, whoever believes, whoever cries out and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, forgive me and save me because of what Jesus did. He died for my sins, he died in my place, he was buried, he rose again, and I want to go to heaven because of that. If we'd cry out and ask him to forgive us and save us because of that, He says, whoever calls on my name will not be ashamed. Whoever calls on my name shall never perish. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if you've not done that today. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. And take him at his word because he said, whoever calls on my name shall be saved. John 3.16 says, whoever believes has eternal life. Right now, eternal life. It's not just a place, but it's now here and now and ultimately it all is culminated when we get to heaven we get it all when we see jesus that's the good news well let's pray and we'll close father we thank you for this time we thank you for your word we are just so thankful that you made a way where there was no other way because on our own we cannot get there we've said before communion won't get us into heaven baptism won't get us into heaven good works won't get us into heaven church membership confirmation none of those things get us to heaven the bible simply says believe on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved father if there's one here that doesn't know you today i pray that they would cry out and say lord jesus i'm a sinner save me and then they would take you at your word and believe you because you said whoever calls on your name shall be saved if they do it in faith so father do that today We give you all the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name, amen.